We have a handout. Uh, there, there are handouts, and you just need to raise your hand, and you'll receive one of those. This is the last evening, last lesson of our series on culture. And in particular, we're going to now rest a little bit with the diagram that I first introduced on the first night. Next week, we'll hopefully all convene in Fortville, Indiana at the family camp. And that Wednesday night, I'm in charge of that Wednesday night camp. So it would be nice to have a couple friendly faces. Uh, if you'd be so kind, you could, you can get there. I think the service starts at 7 o'clock, but sometimes, uh, sometimes it might be a, a, a little bit after. But uh, it's going to be a good night. And Brother Todd Nichols will be preaching, which is going to be phenomenal. He's a phenomenal preacher. In this particular venue of culture, I would offer a couple of thoughts here for you. And as we so described, to build the culture, there's a lot of aspects to it. Um, in a, in a, perhaps a, a, a secular look, there is art and language, food, customs, traditions. This is not on your handout, but you can write this. But the culture will define a people. But more so, those collective aspects is what bind the people. So it can define you and it can bind you. So in, in, in the church, um, whatever culture that we have and whatever culture we create, it does define us. And also that collective culture, it binds us together. That does not mean that everyone thinks exactly the same way. But there is something that is agreeable or something we agree on. And it's, there's multiple things that we agree on. I want to go a little bit, and this is not on your handout, but I'm, I'll, I'll get to it as we work through it, and then you'll see it. Um, the Jewish culture is, the, is part of the bedrock of the Gentile believer. Um, in, in, a, in the United States, the, the, the definitive... Um, word for our belief system would be a Judeo-Christian faith. And the reason why it was often called a Judeo-Christian faith is because within the, within the Christian world, it was built upon the Jewish concept. Now, there's a reason why. Now, we may not eat culture, kosher food here. Uh, when we go to Israel, we eat nothing but kosher food, unless you can sneak off to some place that might um, serve um, a hamburger with cheese on it. We did have pizza one time in the old city. They said it was pepperoni pizza, but the pepperoni was not pepperoni. It, it, it was cut into pepperoni and sprinkled pepperoni seasoning on it, but I'm, I'm almost positive that that was not pepperoni. I think it was, it was turkey that made, made to look like pepperoni. 
So it, it, it was something. It was not, it was kosher. I, I'm, I'm positive about that. But, but in, in respect to this, you have to understand, Mary was a Jewish mother. Um, the temple, the Passover, and other Hebrew customs were a part of the Lord's earthly life. The Bible was written by Hebrew and Jewish men, Old Testament patriarchs. They followed both the written and the oral law. Abraham gave tithing before it was an institution among the people. Abel offered a blood sacrifice before we know it was a command in Leviticus. The prophets and the judges directed and invoked the laws of the Lord um, even when the people did not have them written in front of them. So part of the culture um, had to do with um, had to do with the construct of of just the called out people now I reached back into some study uh, anthropology studies that I had a couple decades ago and sociology um, but and this is an expansive culture is it's expansive it's like it ever expands you you, you can never reach the, the bottom of it or the height. But specifically, I'm, I'm talking about the apostolic Pentecostal culture and then more specifically, the culture of New Life Fellowship. And as I submitted to you on the first night, we have a decision to make what kind of church and culture we will have. There's a model that, that, that Tammy and I uh, felt strongly about in our first calendar year as the pastorate here that we would be a place where no one had a past and everyone had a future. Now there was, there was a reason for that and the reason for that is because when we walked in there needed to be something fresh and new but we weren't starting with uh, an infant church. We were starting with a wounded congregation and those, some of those wounds did not even materialize for eight years later. They didn't come to their great hurt. It's like an earthquake. And then after the earthquake, there are aftershocks and aftershocks can destroy things too. And so, um, and so during that time, that first eight years, I made a lot of wonderful mistakes that I can never erase. God love those people that, that stay with me for a few years. Um, but when you when you go back to that, that new life would be a place where no one has a past, everyone has a future, that was really rooted in a scriptural concept that the Lord makes all things new. Now, we decided that that's what we would be, but only the people could decide if, in fact, it was going to be true. And no matter what, uh, what I say here, the, the people, by and large, have to buy into that. Um, I won't call out his name, but it was a, it was a, it's, a, it's a very well-known writer who wrote that everything rises and falls with leadership. Now, I, I understand that. I get that. Uh, it's, it's, it's good. There's a lot of good to it. A lot of our Pentecostal preachers adopted that. They preached that. They taught that. The problem is it's not completely scriptural. <laughs> oh, boy. It's, it's tough sometimes when things preach well, but they're not necessarily scripture. You know, cleanliness is not next to godliness. Now, now that's what my mother said, but it's not in the Bible. 
So I'm glad if, if, if you're clean, and you know, but it's not next to godliness. That's a wives' tale. That's, that's not in the scripture. There's things that are not in scripture, but they sound good. You know, if you, if, if you say uh, thus, cleanliness is next to godliness, it might sound like it's from the King James. It's not. Um, so everything doesn't rise and fall with leadership. Or otherwise, Joshua's tenure would have come to a screeching halt the moment that one of the men committed a sin and hid a wedge of silver and fabric and they lost the next battle because there was sin in the camp. Or when Moses went to the mountain and they, they disregarded Moses and turned their back on God and had Aaron create a God called Asics, a, a God, a, it was a golden calf that perhaps that they had been forced to make when they were in Egypt. Or when the people rejected everything that Moses had said, and even Moses was distraught with the people. And so there's many times when the people did not adhere to the prophets or to the king or to the, or to the law of the Lord. They did not. And so as a congregation, we decide, well, what kind of church will we be? We'll, I'll set the vision. I'll set the order. Uh, I'll, I'll set some direction. But no one, no one <laughs> has to follow that. And so we have to decide, well, what kind of church will this be? Now, I would submit to you that, that it, we, if we're going to be true to the Scripture, we have to be an apostolic church with all the tenets involved in that. Let me just get to your to your handout in doctrine we it's imperative that we that we are an apostolic church in doctrine and in doctrine it means we have strict adherence to the bible it's exclusive i don't want to be offensive to anyone watching but i just want you to know that that the, that there is no such thing as a triune god and the nicene creed is a made up doctrine that has misled many people there are not three persons in the godhead there's one person in the Godhead, and anyone who baptized in any other name than in the name of Jesus, look, this is the scripture. What am I going to do? Even those who believe in Acts 19 were rebaptized. That did not mean that they weren't believers, but they didn't have all the truth. Many people have come here and been baptized in the titles of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. We rebaptize them. Why? Because Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's the scripture. Now, if I am preaching another doctrine, then I have to answer to Paul, who said, If anyone else preaches another gospel, another doctrine, that that which I preach to you, let him be accursed. We don't want to get down that road, do we? But if you go down that road, anyone who preaches a different doctrine than Paul is cursed. Uh-oh. That's the Bible. What are you going to do with the Bible? I didn't write it. You can get mad at me, but you don't get mad at the mailman. He's delivering your bill to you from the IRS. And what did you do? Did you pick up a stone and throw it at the mail person? No. In fact, you waved at them. You thanked them. And the doctor gave you some bad news. What did he say? He said, your body mass index And what did you say to him? That's offensive. And I'm never coming back here again. No, you said, what can I do about it? And he said, eat broccoli. 
But the problem is, you get into the word of God and the preacher preaches what the word says and oh, I don't want to be here. I can't stand that. Well, then what are you going to do in the end when the Bible says you're going to be judged out of the books? Where are you going to be judged? Not out of personality. I hope you like my personality, but it's not my personality going to save you. It's what I'm preaching if it's truth. That's the truth that's going to save you, not me. Even, <laughs> even Paul said, under who were you baptized? You weren't baptized unto me, not unto Apollos, but in the name of Jesus. I'm happy to baptize you, but I have no intrinsic goodness in my hand, and you're not baptized in my name. All right. So, how important is the doctrine? It's part, it's not just part, it's the, it, is, it is fundamental to our culture. You can call yourself whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't. I'm not hung up on a title. I just use the term apostolic, Pentecostal. It's, it, it fits. it's because it's the apostles' doctrine. Pentecostalism is, is an emotional response that happened on the day of Pentecost. It's, it's okay. I'll, you know who the first Pentecostals were? They were the Jews. The Jews were the first Pentecostals. They were, came in from all over the world. Look in your Bible, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Cyrene, and parts of Asia, and Asia Minor, Acts 2, all of, those were, all of those were Jewish men and women coming to a festival that they came to every year for a thousand years. But when they got to that particular Passover, I'm sorry, when they got to that particular time and Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, there was a different kind of celebration because the lamb was slain on the Passover and his spirit was poured out at Pentecost. Why Pentecost? Because Pentecost is a mirror of Sinai. And at Sinai, the Lord wrote a law with his own finger in a tablet of stone. Moses broke them. He had to go back up. And I think Moses had to chisel out the words. God will write it one time. You break it. You have to write it yourself. He comes back down, gives them the law. Well, what did, what did the prophet say in Jeremiah? There's going to come a time. I'm going to take away your stony heart. I'm going to write my law on the tablets of your heart. So what was given at Sinai was married at Pentecost. He's going to write something on the tablet of your heart. That's his spirit. Amen. So who received that? The Jewish people received that. What's the culture? Your culture is tied in. To those Jewish men and women who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's the doctrine. They didn't even think the Jews, the Gentiles could receive the Holy Ghost. The apostles were all Jewish people. And the original argument was that the uncircumcised Gentile did not take on the Abrahamic covenant, which was true. But that did not mean they were without moral laws or customs or decrees. Because even though they did not have Abraham as their father, they still had to have morality. And they still had to have conduct. And Paul taught them that. And so Paul had to discuss this with the Gentiles and with the Jews. Not to be a stumbling block. Don't, don't just sit down and eat meat that was offered to an idol. Don't, it, don't sit down and eat a slab of bacon in front of your brother. Why? Because there was, he was creating a culture of respect. He was creating a culture of respect. And so you have to understand that the Bible often says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We are, and of course this was in the Hellenistic times, so 
we are part of the Gentile, the, the Greeks, that so we would be included, the Greeks. Unless you have Jewish blood in you and you are descended of that, this is Gentile. So um, the doctrine that we have was, was, was born out of, of, of this powerful outpouring to the Jewish people. And they were the original uh, branch. <laughs> and we were the grafted in branch. Which should make us even more grateful and thankful. That God included us. We were always in the plan. But instead of demanding, we should be grateful that we have the opportunity. Because Abraham wasn't our father until we were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And now we're grafted into this. Um, so doctrine, um, the spirit, this is, this is important. Um, this is part of our culture. It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And John chapter three, the Lord will introduce this ahead of time. And he, he introduces the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we know that the Holy Spirit, or we, we can also use these interchangeable terms, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God. These are just interchangeable terms for the same thing, this pneuma. Um, this baptism of the Spirit had a sign to it. When the Holy Ghost was poured out, there was the sign of speaking other tongues. And everyone who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost spoke with other tongues. And any place that doesn't teach the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not teaching the, the Bible. Now that makes us exclusive. I'm really just building on this culture here. How can we, why would you teach that, Pastor? Because this is a scripture command that we ought to be baptized and born again of both the water and the spirit. John chapter 3, you're born again of the water and the spirit. And if you're not born again of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You cannot get there. Now that's, once again, this sounds aggressive but if, you're, if you hear Paul, if you hear the writings of, 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 of John, you're knowing that there is no other way. This is the way. So there's multiple things that, that, are, that attend to this. And so I would just start with saying the Spirit. When, when, Peter, when Peter got up to preach, on the day of Pentecost, he did not just use his, his own intellectualism or his own thought, but he reached back and he preached actually the sermon that the prophet Joel had written 700 years prior. And here's the key. If you're looking on your handout, here's the key. When, when, when Peter said, this is that. This that you're hearing speaking in tongues is what Joel prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years prior. This that you're seeing speaking the wonderful works of God in their own tongue. This is that. So this outpouring of the Holy Ghost is what was prophesied to happen. Now why would anyone remove that from a church or institution? Why would they remove that? 
Now, the reason why they move that, maybe because they don't know, but maybe because they don't want to figure it out, or maybe because they think this won't draw a crowd. But speaking in other tongues, this is what was prophesied. It's the foundation, or maybe I should say not the foundation, it is the, it is the element of our culture that we would have a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every believer, everyone who's born of the Spirit ought to exercise the Spirit as often as you can. Paul even said, I speak in tongues more than you all. So he was not saying that we should not speak in tongues because Paul was an active tongue talker. Amen. And so was Mary. Because she was part of the upper room experience. She was there with 120. And she also received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She, what, she received the Spirit. <laughs> I can only think that she had that familiar feeling. Man, what a feeling. That happened to you once, but Mary was overshadowed. Man. I can get caught on that. So we're walking through this aspect and part of the things that we have to agree on is that we will have talking in tongues and spirit baptism in the church. We we have to agree on this. We have to agree that whenever we come together, we're going to have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I, I hope someone receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost and a couple people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost Sunday. In fact, in the, in the, in the children's uh, uh, service, uh, the Holy Ghost fell. And one of our young children received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and uh, oh, my mind just went blank. Uh, Emily, Emily, raise your hand, Emily. Emily spoke in tongues Sunday for the first time, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Emily I'm so, was baptized in Jesus' name and spoke in tongues. Awesome. Just so excited. And, and things are happening. Listen, this is what we want. This is what we're craving. This is what we need. The, ba- the outpouring of the baptism, we have to decide. We will always speak in tongues. We will always have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And if no one needs it, we're still going to speak in tongues. We're still going to have the Spirit. Now, we have to agree on that. I'm going to speak in tongues with or without you. It'd be nice if you join me. But, but, I, but I go back to say this. This is not a legislative demand. This is a agreed upon culture at new life. Amen. All right. How are we doing? <laughs> Sometimes I ask that because I really want to know. That wasn't one of those times. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about values here. And, and values in this particular sense would be what is important to us. What, what is important to the overall view? It's the kingdom. The kingdom is most important. But the biblical values talk about our priorities. And this, this provides us a wonderful setting. So I, the glow of the spirit just, listen, Bible study's over. God bless you. Go fill in all the blanks. And if you're watching online, the, the rapture may or may not have come, but we're, we're hoping that it didn't. We're hoping that it didn't. Okay. Can you see the glow of my face from my iPad? I'm like Moses coming down from the mountain. The biblical values 
Think of these biblical values. They are our priorities. The value of what we deem important. The value. What are your values? What is the value of your, of your own marriage or your own home? What values are those? In, in some respect, that could, you, could, you could describe that as your moral values. Now, there are multiple different uh, value systems around the world, but what are your moral values? What's our moral values? Well, I'll give you one of those, those, those values. As New Life believers and fellowship, we believe in, um, in intimate, rela- maybe I put it this way, intimate relationships after marriage. We believe and espouse that we will be pure until, uh, until we are wed in holy marriage. It's getting worse. If my iPad goes out, you know we're going home. All right. I can see them in my notes, but you can't write. You might be writing on your leg right now. And if you're at home and you're trying to watch this, Start interceding, praying. Hey, we're back. Amen. I think someone in the sound booth did not appreciate my last point, and so they wanted me to move on. So values could be ethics. It could be, it could be morality. What is the morality? Now, that does not mean that everyone will espouse what we're delivering. So what do we do? We're going to go back to the model. You get to start over. You get, there have been times when I've introduced people who have a baby out of wedlock. We're going to love them. We're going to entreat them. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to, to hate them. They've made it right before God. But that does not mean that we stop preaching virginity. Okay, so the scripture in the Old Testament, in, in, I, I'm wanting to say it was Leviticus, and I wish I had looked up the scripture, but it, it, the heathen would mark themselves by burning their skin. They would burn their skin, and then they would tattoo their bodies. And so they would often do this. The, the, the phenomenon around the United States is that, is that tattooing has become, uh, it's, it's been, it's become a, a, almost a rite of passage. Um, large and small tattoos. Anyone who comes to the church, and, and if you are sitting in this auditorium, you have a tattoo, please do not feel, feel condemned about this. This is something that, that happened that you did before you found the Lord or before this Bible study. <laughs> so if it happened before this Bible study, you know, uh, go and sin no more. But, but let me just tell you, we don't espouse that. The burning of the flesh. Now that's also something that's, that's been on the rise in America. A, a symbol or a burning of the, of the arm. And, 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 and it's a scarring and it, it has a, a symbol to it. Okay, so, so we're, you're going to come in, you have a tattoo. This is something that you have done, but it's under the blood. Now you may not be able to remove that, but it's under the blood. You all understand that? But I don't want your babies to do it. So you see, what's happened to us is that because... People are so afraid of being offended or they don't want to be offended. They're binding up the hands of, of, of the pulpit and 
and so the word. So that doesn't mean that we're not going to love it. We love everybody. And everybody that we're going to reach, maybe they're going to have all kinds of tattoos. It doesn't bother me. What would bother me is that if the people that have been born and raised in the church deviate from the word and deviate, and now we're changing the culture of the church. We're going to restore, you see, are, are we on officially? And Listen, it was fine before that. We're, we have got to work on building the culture. Now, the culture and the value of this is not dictated from the pulpit. Oh, not everybody believes that. But I can tell you, after almost 24 years of preaching here and 10 years prior, I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now that the pulpit can only preach the word. The Pope can only preach the word. That's it. And, and, and I wouldn't be the first preacher that preached the word and, and the word was rejected. So I'm not better than Moses. I'm not better than him. I'm not better than Samuel. Samuel said, hey, I'm your spiritual leader. You know what they said? We don't want you. We want a king. So does everything rise and fall with leadership? No one compares to Samuel. He was a, a, he anointed the kings. He was a judge. He was a prophet. He was a high priest. There has never been a biblical figure like Samuel. Not in any of the, not in any of the scriptures. So we have to decide together as believers, the body of Jesus Christ, the commonwealth of faith, what we will be, how we will be, how we will live. In fact, on Sunday when we walk in here, we have to decide if this is going to be a worship service. Now, if you tell me, well, I hope someone worships, I hope someone's exuberant, my response to you is, and I hope that someone is you. Amen. (laughs) Well... Not a huge rounding applause, but. So what is the value? The first and most important comes from the words of Jesus, but seek ye the kingdom of God. Another scripture, another writer says, seek ye first. But I like this, seek ye the kingdom of God. There's not even a, it's not in this particular writing of of the physician, Luke, there's not even a, a hierarchy. Just seek the kingdom of God. Everything else is going to come. It's almost as if he did not even mention the latter because they weren't worth comparison. Seek the kingdom. Everything else is okay. That's all right. You want to talk about all those things and name them, but that's not the words of Jesus. He only called out the kingdom. He made no specific reference to everything else. Not jobs, careers, cars, not land, not family, not relationships, not marriages, nothing that. It's just the kingdom. And in the end, that's all you're going to have is the kingdom. So the value of the church is first the kingdom. Is it, does it add to the kingdom? Amen. And then underneath the value of the kingdom then comes, comes all of these moral and, and all these ethical and all these things of importance that add value. Uh, if, if you would go down to homes, I want to talk a little bit about homes. Um, the home, home life, a healthy home, specifically 
a healthy home. Because I believe that the healthy home is the home that's, that presents the foundation or it's foundational to the culture of the church. Now, in the healthy home, the husband is the head of the wife. The wife is not the head of the husband. In the healthy home, the husband is the priest of the family. All right. And in the healthy home, the husband is the first worshiper, the first giver, and he will offer his own body for his wife as Christ offered himself for the church. That's in your Bible. Now, the healthy home does not live in falsehood or lies, does not perpetuate lies or falsehood. It perpetuates Jesus Christ because the home begins with the marriage and the marriage, though our society thinks of it differently, the marriage is really primarily as an emblem of Christ in the church and secondarily to procreate or bring children to the world. Now, if those things are not in play, then the third thing is that they would represent the Lord and bring new people into the house of God. Amen. Now, I can tell you, I did not think that when I, when I saw Tammy. I didn't think, wow, we are going to represent Christ and the, and, and the bride of Christ. I didn't look at her and say, this is going to be a great representation of, Je- representation of Jesus Christ and the, and the church that he bought with his own blood. I didn't say that. So I just want you to know for full transparency. I won't go down everything that I thought, but I did think that she was pretty. Can we just leave it there? So, amen. Everyone say, thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's move on. But the home here, now, now it represents something else. Now, if by chance you're a single parent, then you raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, just as if you had an adjoining spouse. If you have no children in the home, then you take on the needs of sharing the gospel to other people that don't know the gospel. And then you help, you help with intercessory, prayer, or teaching inside the church. This is your calling, but the home has to have the Lord inside of it. We have to develop homes that are full of the Spirit and not wait till we get to church to have a move of the Spirit. Now, we can't do that if your televisions are on nonstop. Or if you invested everything in your television set or your internet or, your, or, or all of the other media outlets that come into your home. This is the, one of the problems that homes are not healthy is because we allow things in our living rooms that we would not allow at the church. So what we've done is we've compartmentalized God. We've said, okay, we're going to be holy and upright here. But at home, we'll let anything come here. Now, we've got to be very careful how we're going to navigate that because the problem is if there's not a conviction at the home, then whatever else we present at church is just really like a weakened warrior. We're really not in the battle. Now I really do want to know how you're doing. All right. Deuteronomy 6, 7. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when you are sitting down and when you're walking. It's almost as if 
There's never a time when you don't talk about the statutes of the Lord and the commandment of the Lord and the doctrine of the Lord. And, 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 and if you looked up just three verses prior, they, they called that the Shema. And every day they told their children, there's only one Lord. There's only one Lord. There's only one Lord. There's only one Lord. When you're sitting down, did you know there was only one Lord? Yes, daddy. You told me that when I woke up. You told me that last night when I went to bed. There's only one Lord. No wonder why the Jewish people have a big problem with, with multiple gods because they've been taught all their life there's only one God. No wonder why. So, when you walk by the way, when you're lying down, when you're rising up, man, that's continually. That's continual. You know what verse 7 shows me? Verse 7 shows me that we become a religious society that believes in religious socialism. I'm bringing my, ch- my kid to church. You teach them about the Lord. And we don't ever talk about God or convictions at home. No, I'm going to tell you what you should do. What I'm doing and what we're doing here should be an overspill of what's happening in your homes all day long, every day of the week. But for, uh, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a little aggressive here. But when you drop your kids off and think, well, I hope they make them spiritual. Let me repeat this. The, the parent who said, I don't know what happened to my child. I raised him in the church. I would say, no, you did not raise them in the church. There are no beds and dressers here. You raised them at home. You, you brought them and gave them one hour, maybe one hour, hour and a half. That was not your priority. So whatever culture is being set, it's not being set in the home. A healthy home has truth, honesty, kindness, forgiveness, all the fruit of the Spirit, it has the presence of the Lord in the home. Now, if you don't know how to do that, put on some godly music, open up your Bible, and just put it right down on the table. I haven't closed my Bible. It's been on the table. Unless I'm traveling somewhere, that one-year Bible just stays wide, wide open. I don't even close it now. Just leave it right there on the table. Unless we're going to eat, then I have to move it so no one spills spaghetti sauce on it. What is it? This is, this is not what we do. This is who we are. I'm not, this is the culture that I'm building for our home. We, we want the spirit of the Lord in our home. Let me repeat this. Two of my four children received the Holy Ghost in their bedrooms. We didn't wait for them to come to church to, re, to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Roman received the Holy Ghost at the campground. And Reagan, we're hoping maybe this coming week. Just a joke. <laughs> so, why? Because we don't, we don't think that we close God at the church. The healthy home has all of these elements. We tell the truth. We have love in our home and communication in our home. There's so many other things I, 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 I have to go forward. Let me just talk a little bit about customs, and for your key, it will be called remembrance. This is an interesting thing, remembrance. I'm, 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 this is Wednesday night, and you're, my faithful folks, I'm so grateful. Uh, remembrance, if you boil the whole Old Testament down into one word, it would be remember. It didn't stop there, though. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're, we are to honor the Lord's death until he returns, until he comes. Uh, remembrance customs 
In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, it's on your handout. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. The idea of the, of the, of the, of the Passover uh, remembrance, um, the bread and wine, communion as we would, is to remember the Lord's death, to remember what he did. It's not a reenactment of it. So the bread and the wine do not turn into actual blood or his flesh. It's a misnomer and a false doctrine. But I just want you to know that the customs of the church are to remember the Lord's death. And the customs of the church is to bind us together and have a time of remembrance. Um, The Jewish people had remembrance. And there are some things that we do remember God in normal functions of life. If you go to the scripture, you'll find that, that the Old Testament writer said, you honor the Lord with your first fruit. Now you might say, I pay my tithes. I would, I would uh, take another side of that. You don't pay your tithes. You return your tithes. Your tithing, when you return it, what you're saying is it all came from God. But the Old Testament said, I'm honoring, the psalmist said, you honor the Lord with your first fruit. He considers that an honor. You're honoring him. But it's also a command. This is a multifaceted function that you are remembering. God gave me this, and now I'm going to return it to him. And once again, the absence of it comes with a curse or a pronouncement of thievery. God said, you robbed me. And they said, well, How? And your tithing and your offering. Where does it, where is that supposed to go? The word is called storehouse. And in every, and every Jewish concept and every, every Hebrew and rabbinical teaching, every one of them for the last several thousand years, it was where you were being fed spiritually, the storehouse. The storehouse is where you were being fed spiritually. And it began when Melchizedek fed and protected Abraham. If you want to remember this, go back to the sermon. It's called Before the Bread and Wine. Before you can write it down, look it up online, Before the Bread and Wine. And if you, if you listen to it, uh, there'll be a, a, a small remuneration for you. Maybe. The remuneration will be that it'll, it'll help you. But before, before all of that, there was a return. And Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe. He returned a tithe to Melchizedek of all that he had. It's incredible. Set in motion. It was set in motion. Something there. And it's to remember something. Not, not only is it to control your appetite for, for lust and for things. But it also is, is to remember that all the blessings came from God. And it comes with a promise. He'd open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing you cannot contain. Here's in your Bible, Malachi chapter 3. And so there are, there are moments also of this remembrance. And to remember is, 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 is what this custom, tradition's custom is about. We remember certain things. There are customs in our church that we have some of those customs are to remember that this is the house of God. The house of God. So we're going to treat things a little differently. You, you, you may treat your house 
one way, but this is the house of God. Um, I, I, I find it somewhat disheartening that um, Solomon spent seven years building his, his temple that his father had a dream of. It was a magnificent building. There was not a sound of a hammer. All the stones were hewed out, off-site. All the lumber cut, fit perfectly. Seven years it took to build that incredible, magnificent house for the Lord. But he spent 13 years building his own home. Something was out of order. And then not only did he spend 13 years building that home, he spent exorbitant amount of time building other shrines and temples and, and other, other areas of, of, of relaxation, most of which he would not have time to spend or to go to or, or to frequent. So I would say if there's anything that should come first, it should be the house of God that comes first. And what's incredible is that we know that Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week. And for us, our Sabbath is Sunday. And if you look into the Ten Commandments, there's a Ten Commandment that says, keep the Sabbath holy. Keep it. Don't let it go. Don't, don't lose it. Don't lose it. But that's the one commandment that we, as by and large, as Christians, even apostolics, they, do, they, they dis- disregard that. Now, now, they wouldn't commit murder. And, they, and everyone would agree that you shouldn't steal. And everyone would agree you shouldn't cover your, 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 your neighbor's wife. And everyone would agree you shouldn't lie. But Sunday, oh, I can take her to leave it. That's not what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says. It says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Don't forsake it. Get together more as often as you see the day approaching. That means if you see the income, you get together. Why? Because it's important. I'm, I'm just going to submit to you. I may give you a handout with 10 fill in the blanks that are not very good and it may be a little shallow. Maybe it's not, it doesn't pique your interest, but just coming together and filling those out and going through the motion of that is better than anything else that you'll, you'll experience. You might already know the material. If we, if we decided that we're all, we only want to know the material and we don't want to hear material we've already heard before, then we're never going to preach Acts 2.38. We ought to be just as responsive when someone gets up and quotes, then Peter said unto them, repent. And we ought to be thankful for that because if we're not, we lose the culture of the doctrine. I've already heard that before, Pastor. Well, hear it again and again and again until it kind of spreads. There may be one person in this house that needs to hear it another time. There's some members of our church that, been, that had come for a long time. And finally, four years after they had come to church, we baptized them in Jesus' name. It was amazing that we baptized. If I had only preached it one time, they would never have been baptized. There's a lady that came to our church for a long time, well over 10 years, and we just baptized her in Jesus' name. She just finally said, okay, you preached something, and that's what I... She was listening to something, and she said, okay, that's the moment. Over 10 years it took. I'm still going to preach Jesus' name baptism, and you can be excited it or not amen I've got to, we've got to go over those things it's important why would you do something for marriage because I want the marriages I want something to resonate that this is critical and this is important it's important this is something that we do it's, 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 it's part of our lives alright how we doing we're, 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 we're on we're on language and everyone say intent. 
O generation of vipers, how can ye be in evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, just sit with someone and let them talk long enough. They're going to tell you what's in their heart. If it's, if, it's, if it's a few minutes, you won't know. But if someone's talking over and over, eventually they're going to tell you what is important to them and what's in their heart. Language is the great divide. Language is the great telltale of a person's ideas and concepts. If you go to a foreign country, um, the first thing you're going to encounter is a language barrier. And the language barrier is very difficult to overcome. If you don't know their language, you can't hardly move around. There are symbols. Um, that we have uh, uh, the the symbol uh, octagon of the stop sign. We don't need to see the word stop, but if it's red and it looks like that, you know, it catches our eye. You might want to put the brakes on. But that same sign in other cultures doesn't mean the same thing. It 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 doesn't compute. Language is 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 very important. You if you don't know the language, you may not know uh, where to go to eat. When you get in the restaurant, if you need to use the restroom, you, you could ask, where is the ladies' room? And they, they, they may not tell you because they don't know what you're talking about. I've been in some places where we thought we would order from the menu, but it was all, it was written in French. And uh, you don't want to do that. You, you, don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to order something just because this looks wonderful. What is it? Soup du jour. Okay. Well, that's called soup of the day. That doesn't tell you what you're eating. And my father-in-law uh, gave me Kubion and, uh, when I first was dating uh, Tammy. And that was, it had a squirrel skull in it. And uh, she walked in while I was eating and she said, Daddy, what are you doing? And she knew. And I put my spoon down just at that time and picked up that, that squirrel skull and looked at it. And he said, just suck on it, boy. Just, you can get all the good stuff out of it. In the South, they eat bugs and stuff like that. It's just, you got to get used to it. Anything tastes good with Creole, Tony's Creole on it. You still put a lot of Tonys on it. Your eyes start watering. You'll just forget what, what's going on. <laughs> and there's something about language. This is, a, this is the culture that I'd like to have. I like to have a culture of, of honor. I'd like to have a culture of respect. Um. Uh, I'd like to have a culture where people have some couth instead of uncouth. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to, uh, is, are you thinking of somebody now? It's just uncouth. You know, it's, 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 it's it might be, un, uh, I don't want to get, Tammy's not here and I do have a lot of freedom, but I know. It's just not the place to clip your nails. It's uncouth. You know, there's some things that are un... It's not appropriate. 
and, and there should be some intent um, that, that we have, especially in our language, because the language separates us. It separates us just like you would be separated from, from speaking a foreign language. You don't, you don't speak German. You speak English. Hopefully you speak English. Hopefully you're not loosely associated with it. But you understand it. And the same thing holds true here. Now in America, there's multiple different languages that separate people. And there are all kinds of different words that people use. Here, there should be languages of honor and respect for one another. And unto God. And as regards marriages. And as regards children. The culture here ought to be one of kindness. And towards our elders, one of honor. The language tells everything about a person. In fact, the language, if you start speaking to someone, you might even realize that, that they don't have a very good grasp of it or, or they don't have a lot of self-respect. And so if we're going to build the proper culture, one of these main things has to do with how we speak and that will actually originate in how we think in our heart. Because out of our heart, you speak. Out of our heart, you emanate what you feel. So as I'm teaching this, the, the great burden of it that I have is that we would speak correctly. We would speak the things of God. We would talk about the things of God. I don't walk around suspect of the saints, but I pray for the saints. You are my family. I want to speak correctly. When my wife calls for me or says something and I don't hear her, she has trained me. And I will repeat, ma'am, it happened a couple times today. She was in the office, I was in the other room, and she was trying to talk to me. She likes to talk to me when, I, when she's in the other room. I don't know what she's saying. I just yell back or say, I know. <laughs> but finally, I said, ma'am, because this is something that we're, we're working on it may not solve every issue, but from the heart, we're going to speak some kindness to one another. Amen. And if you don't do that, it'll reflect on everyone down line. And I'm not talking about just eight and, eight and seven-year-olds and six-year-olds. I'm talking about everyone who walks in who doesn't understand New Life Fellowship. If they walk in and we are... We are using our language of honor and respect and kindness and love and forgiveness, then something happens with them. They will adopt who we are and what we are doing. The culture of New Life Fellowship is established by every person, and we cannot afford one person not to develop this culture. What is this culture? This culture is that we believe in one doctrine. We, we believe in the values that come from our biblical priorities. We remember what's happening because we remember how good God was. And we have that built into our culture. And our language is one of intentional wording and intentional heart response. Amen. And finally, vision. Vision is important to the culture. When I'm teaching pastors... Uh, and I'm with a whole group of pastors tomorrow in New Jersey. I've never been to New Jersey. 
one of the things we talk about is vision. Very few people understand vision. They've heard it. Uh, without a vision, the people perish. And forecasting. But there's elements of this. The vision does, just doesn't include uttering something that you would like to see. But it's, it includes the totality of the vision. Now, I've only offered one scripture, but this is much broader than just Luke chapter 14. But I do want to give this to you. Jesus said, for which of you intend to build a tower? You don't sit down, you don't count the cost, you don't have enough to finish it. But you could lay the foundation. He's not able to finish it. All they behold it begin to mock him. Why? Because you laid a foundation. There are several major big homes, over 10,000 square feet abandoned. Because the people who were building those homes, they ran out of money. They overbuilt and their budgets did not allow. They thought the money was going to come in, but they didn't have the money secured to build those massive mansions. And one of them is laying dormant. It's incredible. There's an indoor jacuzzi, indoor pool. There's this massive 20-car garage. And now it's grown over with weeds and the pool has very little water in it. It's filled with algae. You could, you, you'd be surprised. There's a marble staircase in, the, in, in this mansion. But but it was not finished, so it doesn't matter that there's a marble staircase or it had over 10,000 square feet because it is not livable. Because no one executed it correctly. I have a vision. And together we can have a vision. And the culture of new life is to have a vision to reach our city. To baptize a thousand souls in the name of Jesus Christ. I have a vision that every family would, would join in worship in their living rooms. I have a vision that, that the Holy Ghost would pour out and there would be miracle signs and wonders every time we get together. I have a vision that people will give not out of their abundance, but they would give sacrificially out of their want. I have a vision that we would reach our city following the Spirit. Let me just, let me just tell you, I woke up uh, during this fast, I woke up one of these mornings and something was gnawing at my spirit. And I, I got on the phone with Pastor Andrew. I said, something, something's, I, I've got to have a little talk. And so Pastor Andrew, Brother Zach, they came together. We just, we had a little powwow and the Lord was right just speaking and there was an agreeance. And so I, I don't even remember the, the exact day, but I said, I just, the Lord just prodded me and we're going to do something. There are going to be seven Sunday nights here starting in June. And I don't remember what day that's going to start, but, but you'll find out seven Sunday nights, we're going to have worship here in the word. It just, I, I don't know. And it may be a Monday night also, who knows, but I, and, and maybe nobody will come. And, and what caught me is that, 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 um, that, um, that, I know that when you're busiest, that's the time you could slack off. Or when you don't have a lot, that's the time you'll say, well, I'll give when I get my bonus check. Or, or, or you know what, I don't, I don't have a lot of energy. I want to tell you, that's the moment when you put your, that's the moment when you strive a little harder. It's when you are depleted, you don't have the energy, but you know, we're going to do a little bit more. We're going to do it then. That's the culture of the church. We're not going to take a back seat. And when the enemy comes, we're just going to rise up bolder and bolder. I don't, listen, I don't know, I don't know how the culture is going to go, but I will tell you about the origin. We were born in something that was full of fire and power and Holy Ghost. That's where we were born. Just so you know, we're not Protestant. You're not a Protestant. 
They'll call you a Protestant, but you're not a Protestant. You know why? Because you were never in protest. That's not the line. That's not the strand. That's not the heritage we came from. We didn't come in protest to the Catholic Church. We didn't identify with the 53 thesis that was nailed to a, to a, to a, uh, uh, to a, to a church door. That's not us. We came from something far reaching, farther than that. We came from an old apostolic Pentecostal revival and, and it started on the day of Pentecost and it weaved its way. I was never in protest. I'm not in protest to the Catholic Church. That's not me. I am a blood-bought, apostolic, tongue-talking, Jesus-named baptism. <laughs> yeah. I'm conditioned for something. You are conditioned for something. So I would just say to all of us, this is the culture of new life. I think they had some things to do, but Brother Tico go to serves on the board of directors and has for many years. And about four years ago, we were, we had a meeting and some special guests were coming and we included some other, just some other people in the church went to have dinner and we walked past the barbecue grill and he was barbecuing, grilling, not barbecuing, grilling some very nice steaks. They were Bacon was around it, and a filet mignon, and, and part Jew and part Gentile. Hey Amen. That's the best. And uh, I think Peter did that. That's why he got in trouble. Um, walked past, and some guests greeted him, and we sat down, and steaks were perfect and cooked. Grilled to order. And I was thinking, man, these, are, these must be very expensive. Found out that they were. I said, well, what's the budget for the steaks today? And they said, well, the cook bought them. <laughs> and I said, well, that's how we roll. That's the culture. You want to serve on the board, you have to buy the filet mignons and cook them. And you don't get to eat them. That's how we do it. It's all about serving. We serve one another. Funny thing is, the next time we had dinner, everybody who was working the last one, they sat down. People that were sat down, they're serving. We just rotated in and out. There's no one, no one is exempt from serving. No one is exempt from grilling. No one is exempt from vacuuming. No one is exempt from worshiping. We're just going to continually serve one another over and over. It's the culture of the New Life family. No one's up here and someone's down there. No one should be good enough to say, well, I don't do that. Yes, you do. You do everything. We're going to do everything. We're going to help out every way. Amen. We build this culture. What's the vision? Here's the vision of the church. The vision of the church is that we would have all cultures represented in the church. Now, I'm not, I'm not I'm talking about all ethnicities, all the cultures, to bring it into one culture in Jesus Christ. All walks of life, all status, all highs and lows. Rich and poor, educated and uneducated. Doesn't matter what side of the tracks you're from. This is the house for everybody. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter where people came from. Wherever they came from is not important as to what, what they're going to. Where they came from has no, it makes no difference to me. It doesn't make any difference to me. But once, once you get here, there's no place to go. It's important because we're going to reach people that have had 
serious trauma in their life, but God is going to heal them, and the Spirit is going to deliver them, and the blood is going to cover them. Amen. And we got to build that culture so that we're speaking it out of our mouth. God's going to do something. God, the culture ought to be, the Lord is here and anything can happen. The culture ought to be from our own mouth. This is a great day that the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. But if we're not careful, the culture can emulate what the world is doing or what our own lives, whatever thing we're going on in our own lives. And we bring all that mess in here. I just, I, I just want to, I, I say this as a metaphor. Don't pick up a hitchhiker. Don't pick, I say this as a metaphor. Don't pick up a hitchhiker. For some of you, I'd say it literally. <laughs> but you, we're picking up all kinds of stuff and bringing them in, in, into our lives and into the church. We don't want to bring all that stuff in. Bad spirits, division, all that confusion and nonsense. And come on, what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to become the family of God. We're going to build up the family of God. We're going we're to set our priorities and our things and we're going to finish it. We're going to finish it. We're going to finish it. Building that building out there. Don't get all enamored with the building. When you walk in, you'll get used to it. It's just a high ceiling and a lot of chairs. Who cares? It's just for more people. It's for your neighbors and your friends and your family. That's, that's, and so some of you ladies that have 10-pound purses can have an actual seat for your 10-pound purse. Your family Bible. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The Lord will fill that up with people. Anytime anyone says, well, I don't know if I want to go to a big church. What are you talking about, big church? You don't want to go to heaven? It's a big heaven. There's going to be multiplied millions of people in heaven. Don't worry about the, we didn't come to see two people or ten people or a thousand people or ten. We came to see the Lord. It's all about the Lord. That's a bunch of nonsense. Here's the culture. The culture is, I, I, don't, I don't come for, I come for the Lord. I did not come for everybody else. I came to worship God. And I come to worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All the people said amen. I wish I had like three more weeks to teach this, but I'm, I'm going to move on. And next week we're going to be at family camp. And if you need a ride, there's, there will be rides for you. And um, you have to call the office and one of the buses or the vans, we'll bring all of them if we need to. And you have to get, be here a little bit early, but it's, it's, a, it's a free trip. And uh, there are some rules. You can't bring Mountain Dew on the bus. The kids said, kids try to bring that. Pastor Andrew will... You can bring water, I think. It's really not a joke. You can't, can't, can't do that. You can only bring water. <laughs> Amen. I'm praying for the church today. I'm praying for your lives. I'm praying for your families. I'm praying for the Holy Ghost revival. I'm praying for our children. I'm praying for our young people. Amen. Just where you're sitting, just pray with me. Jesus, we want to emulate you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name. Lord, we need your help. Let the glory of God be resonant in our lives. When we enter this house, Lord, let it be about you, to your praise, your glory. Let everything that's spoken minister grace to the hearers, I pray. We lift up your name and your word. We're built upon your truth, your, your doctrine that you, you gave to us, Lord Jesus. Lord, all the things that this house promotes, Lord, let it be the promotion 
that would be after your likeness so that your mind would be in us. Let this mind be in you. Let it be in us, Lord. We want to think like you and work like you and act like you and love like you. We want to reach like you would reach and have compassion on the people of our city. We want to preach truth in love. I pray, Lord, let the truth go out, Lord Jesus. People be devoted to the things of God. I pray, Lord, that you would draw people by your blood and by your name. Draw them. We lift you up, Lord. You are high and lifted up. I rebuke every celebrity spirit that would rise up, Lord. I rebuke everything that would rise up against you, Lord, or take preeminence over you. You are the only God. You're the only Lord of this house. You are the great Savior, Lord. I take dominion over everything that would rise up against the church, Lord, and seek to divide the body of Jesus Christ in this last day. I pray, Lord Jesus, that our young people would be devoted to you and our children would learn of you, Lord, and we would reach all of the area children, Lord, with the name of Jesus, help us to plant some word in them, I pray. God, draw families to this house, Lord. Let there be a family revival, Lord Jesus. Let someone receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost this Sunday. When we walk in, let there be fresh baptisms, Lord. We're dedicating our lives to you now. I'm asking the Lord for your help and your guidance in Jesus' name. I pray for every young couple, Lord, that are they're burdened down with bills and they're burdened down with jobs, Lord. Help them, Lord, with their priorities, Lord, I pray. So they would focus on you first and foremost, that nothing else would matter. I pray for the people that cannot be here tonight because of long distances or sickness or health or some job that's, that, that's conflicting, Lord. Bless them wherever they are watching this, I pray. Anoint them and bless them in their homes, I pray. Let the glory of God appear to them, Jesus, and overshadow them. Let the presence of God permeate their living rooms, Lord, and permeate their bedrooms and their kitchen and everywhere they go, I pray. I'm asking the Lord, let this church, Lord, be a city set on a hill and let, let, it, let it broadcast your truth, Lord Jesus. I'm asking the Lord, we'll treat everything that you've given us with respect and honor, knowing, Lord, that it's all going to be dedicated unto you, Lord, and for the work of your hands. I pray, Lord Jesus, for all the saints that they be faithful. Let the saints be faithful, Lord. Let the people of this house be faithful in everything that they do, in their attendance, in their giving, in their tithing, in their sacrifices, in their prayers, in their fasting, Lord, in their words, in their heart, their intents, I pray. Sponge us from every word, Lord, that's contrary to your word. Take away from our mouth and our lips everything that's negative and division, Lord, I pray. I'm asking, O oh Lord, that there be purity reign in this house, Lord. Protect our children from the things, the corruptness of this world, Lord. And I pray, let there be an explosion of purity and holiness among us, Lord. I pray against every word that would divide us, Lord. Every outside spirit that would question everything that you have given us, Lord. But let us be set apart and holy unto you, Lord. That the culture of this house, Lord be set apart, Lord, through the Holy Ghost. Let the culture, Lord, be set by the faith and the unity of the believers. Submitting ourselves to you, Lord. Submitting ourselves to authority and submitting ourselves to one another, Lord Jesus, I pray. And I'm asking the Lord, let there be revival of prayer, Lord. Let there be a burden of prayer and intercessory prayer, not just for this world, not just for our neighbors and for the lost, Lord, but for our own families and for our own lives, Lord. I ask you, Lord. I, Lord, I rebuke this, Lord. I repent. I rebuke shallow thing and trivial thing that would rise up in this house. I 
cast it aside, Lord. Let there be a soberness and awareness that their coming is soon, Lord, and that we must be prepared. Let the body of Jesus Christ and the bride of Jesus Christ be spotless and without blemish or any such thing, Lord, and let the Holy Ghost anointing the Shekinah glory make its resident in this place, Lord. We are dedicated unto you. Let the temples of the Most High God reach out to you in praise and in worship and in dancing and rejoicing. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray loose upon this house the Holy Spirit Lord so that there's a baptism of speaking in other tongues Lord and let the name of Jesus be high and lifted up let let baptism happen Lord and only the name of Jesus Lord let it prevail I pray and everything that we would do we enter this house with praise and in Jesus name and we exit this house in praise and thankfulness in the name of Jesus I pray God in Jesus name that you would endow us with power and miracles and signs and wonder I stand before you on behalf of the people Lord let something happen to shake us and awake us Lord let the culture of the church Lord rise up Lord that we would become truly apostolic in the last days and take from us Lord shallow living and shallow thinking Lord I pray and let there be a, a revival Lord of holiness and godliness and power and yearning and devotion I'm asking the Lord, let the fire of Pentecost erupt. Let the fire of Pentecost erupt. Let there be an Acts chapter 2 moment in this house. Let many people hear it, Lord, and come to the knowledge of the truth. I pray right now, Lord, for every prodigal that I baptized, every prodigal that I buried in Jesus' name, every prodigal that I laid my hands on and they spoke with tongues, I pray for every prodigal right now that's not with us, Lord. I pray, bring the prodigals back home by the dozens, Lord. Help them feel a yearning, draw them. And I build a hedge of thorns around about them so that nothing that they touch would amount to anything good. And they rise up from the pit and say, it was better in the Father's house. I pray for every backslider, Lord, that has lost their faith in you, Lord, in their home. I pray right now, Lord, bring them back to the cause of Jesus Christ and rescue them in Jesus' name. I take a stand against depression and anxiety. And bewilderment and confusion. I take a stand against it right now, Lord. Cast out those spirits in Jesus' name. Those demonic things that would cause us to question your love for us. I take dominion over that thing in Jesus' name. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Be gone and be free, I pray. Loose the people right now. Loose the people right now in Jesus' name. Yabasha, yabasata. I pray right now you close up the mouth of the devourer. Close up the mouth of the devourer. I pray you restore years that the canker worm has eaten. I pray you give people back time and joy. I pray against oppression. Let the loot be loose joy. Let the garment of praise be, be cast upon every shoulder of every person that would grace this house, Lord. Let the oil of joy bring about a great praise in their lives, Lord Jesus. Build a hedge around about them, Lord. I'm standing in the gap tonight on behalf of all the people of this city and people of the believers of this house, Lord. 
I pray for faith, Lord. <laughs> we believe in a God that called those things which be not as though they were. I believe in faith, the faith of the saints, the faith of this house is going to rise up. You've given us authority and power. We can tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the elements of this earth. And nothing's going to harm us, Lord, because we go in advance in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for a love for the word and a love for worship and a renewal for the love of gathering. Let there be a love of gathering, Lord. Even in the seasons of vacation, Lord, and I... I know you've allowed us this time. I'm thankful for it, Lord. But, but when we're not on vacation, I pray, Lord, let there be a, a love for gathering together. Give us anticipation, Lord. I can't wait. Bring us back to our first love. I can't wait to get there. I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to break out. I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe somebody's going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I don't know what's going to happen Sunday, but someone's going to be delivered. Of a lifelong addiction, they're going to be delivered. I don't know what's going to happen, but there's going to be a prophecy come out. Someone's going to hear the word, and they're going to have renewed faith and strength in the Holy Ghost. I don't know what's going to happen, but someone is going to be healed in Jesus' name. And a marriage is going to be restored, and a child is going to come back. And so everything that comes out of my mouth, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, it's going to be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Help us to be saturated with this word. Let there be a saturation of the spirit, Lord. So the only thing we desire is to be in your presence and help us to quote it from the depths of our hearts. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to learn and to inquire in his temple. Yabaha sahyaba, ikayaba sadaraba, yabashayaba tadaba. I pray for my children, Lord. Protect my children. Protect my children, Lord. Help them have a love for this truth. I pray they would find the first chair. Let them climb back and crawl back into the first chair. Give them a yearning for the spirit and a hunger for the word. I pray for the children of this church, Lord. I pray that they would never take for granted the sacrifices that have been made, the financial sacrifices, the fastings that have been taking place, the prayer meetings that have occurred, the preaching and the work that's taken place. I pray, let them love it. Let them embrace it. Let them give their whole lives to it, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name.
Ikayaba, he koyobo sandaraba shatayaba, he abo sondorobo shatayaba, he sandaraba shatayabo kisadaraba, he sondorobo shatayaba, he ahasata, he koyobo, he taraba hatarama. Thy words were found. I did eat them, thy word was unto me. The joy and the rejoicing of my heart sweeter are thy words than honey, yea, finer than honey in the honeycomb. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The commandments of the Lord are true, enlightening the eyes. The Lord of the, the law of the Lord is right. Uh, help me to eat this book, Lord. I love your word. Help us to flee from this world, Lord. We don't want to be like this world. It's going down. It's in decay. This country is bankrupt, Lord. You're the only light in this world. And we are the salt and the light, Lord. Help us to show forth the goodness of God and work while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. Yabahata. Help us to be a called out, separated, set apart people. Hear the cry of your people, Lord, tonight. We desire you. We want a Holy Ghost revival. Give us a Holy Ghost revival. Give us a Holy Ghost revival. We repent, Lord, tonight. Forgive us. We repent of all the junk that we've been enamored with that have nothing to do with your kingdom. Forgive us of all the nonsense that we talk about every day and all the worldly pursuits that we are after, Lord. Forgive us. We are not after that, Lord. They are minimal. Forgive us, Lord, of laying up treasure where the rust can corrupt it and spending our time in trivial matters. I pray, Lord, let it be all about the kingdom and the doctrine and the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a heart panteth after the water book, so my heart panteth after you, O oh God. <laughs> I don't want to have church as normal, Lord. Convict us, Lord. Break us, Lord. Remake us, Lord. Mold us again, Lord.